there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. A few months ago, we unveiled our theme for the new year. And uh, our theme restored was a theme for the year. And I unveiled it. And it was a wonderful night of vision, casting that vision. And then we shut the church down for a couple of months. Talking about 2020. Didn't see that coming. But we know that God, I know that God gave me a vision to restore our community. And the only way we could restore our community is to we ourselves be under his guidance and leadership to be restored. Is that right? I've traveled on many of planes for many, many years um, to that, this location, that location, and the same drill every single time was the flight attendant coming up and saying, safely sec- secure your own head, you know, peace or whatever, you know, safely secure your mask before you help anybody with their mask, right? And the same thing goes for restoring humanity. I believe that God wants to restore humanity, but how could he restore humanity when, he, when his own people need restored? When his own people have ignored or f- f- mis- misguided themselves a bit? You know, how many know you can misguide yourself? Like, I got this figured out, God, and then you realize halfway down the, you know, the road, uh, I made a wrong turn real bad. And so... We can also find ourselves needing to be restored back into the back track or back into the road that we're supposed to be walking in. And so this morning, the Lord put on my heart a strong word about restoring humanity, but also the real word of um, the, the honest assessment of ourselves being in a place where we have to walk in victory and humanity and all that we're doing. And so with that, we understand that there's a, a human element, healing humanity, healing humanity. Um, I think that God wants to heal us in a lot of different ways. And God wants to move us in a lot of different ways. And so when we talk about what God wants to do when it comes to healing, we often look at healing as just a physical thing. But God really wants to heal us whole. All of us. How many believe that with me? What I believe with all my heart is that um, I believe he wants to really restore his people. And I want you to open to Matthew 9 for a moment. As you turn to Matthew 9, I, I wanted you to know that for those of you that are in the house here today, we have offering um, places all around the church. There is to put your love offering. There is to put your, um, your offering and whatnot here before, during, after the service. You can do that at your leisure. I want to go into the word. I felt strongly I needed to go right into this word here. Healing humanity was God's intention from the beginning. As you turn to Matthew 9 for a moment, I want us to understand that Christian ministry cannot pass on one side of the room when they are hurting people on the other side. Did you hear me? We cannot be a people that see hurt and see pain and say, well, I'm, I got to be about my business here. Healing humanity has to do with ourselves realizing that there are people in a desperate need and we do something about it. 
God did. When he saw you needing a healing, he healed you. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? Do you remember when uh, Christ affirmed in the story that there, was, there were certain things that are more important than fulfilling and checking off a list? Something that has to happen. He saw the bruised, people saw the bruised and the battered, the, the, those that were dealing with a situation. And, and in this particular was a, a, a good Samaritan that saw this man on the side of the road. And he met his needs. See, healing humanity is something you put on every day of your life. It doesn't come naturally. Because naturally we want to be selfish. How many know we're naturally selfish? Yeah? And some of you are like, I'm not going to raise my hand because I don't feel like it. You just proved my point. But in all, in all seriousness, isn't it true, though, that we naturally, the first thing that kids learn is mine and no. They don't learn, yes, take my toy. That's not the first thing they learn. They could try to learn that, but the first thing they know is no, it's mine, right? And there's some adults you know that that's still all they know, right? It's, that's not a learned behavior. That's natural. That's part of the human nature, right? So we don't, have to, we don't have to learn how to be selfish. It just comes really, really well to us. And when we address human needs, we, gotta, we have to be careful not to point to sinners finding their victory before we ourselves find our own. Because there are many people that walk into churches today in America that need as much healing as those in the street. And I dare say that sometimes even more so because they've been hurt by religion. And that's a painful thing to be hurt by. When you open your life to someone and they hurt you, it's very difficult to open it to another person then. Therein lies the problem with many people in churches today. You've been hurt multiple times, maybe by other churches, maybe by other pastors. I can't tell you how many times I sat people down on my, on my couch in my office and I said, what's going on? They're like, well, I came from a church that... You fill in the blank. And I, I'm left to undo for a year and a half what this church did to them for many, 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 many years. And still the lack of trust because of someone burned them or someone hurt them. I'm not going to say I won't hurt you. I'm not going to say I, I'm perfect. I'm not going to say that we won't offend you in one way or another. But it's very difficult to be free when you're holding on to so much baggage in your life. And so healing humanity looks very different for everybody. Some of you walked in depression and fear and anxiety over the last five months. Some of you walked in, in doubt like you've never felt before. Some of you wondered, is Jesus going to come in the middle of this thing? Because this is too much to take. I've been there. I felt that. And so I realized that healing humanity is a lot more than just... Um, you know, a, a situation where we say, well, God, come and heal us in a moment and, you know, microwave it. How many sometimes think that, that Christianity should be a microwave thing where we're like, Jesus, and then poof, Holy Spirit hits you and you're like, yes, and you walk out like a whole different person, like 32 seconds flat. Like, we kind of wish that, don't we, sometimes? we like, okay, Holy Ghost, have your way. Okay, God, have your way. Jesus, come into my life. God? Anything? No? All right. Well, I guess it wasn't my time. You go about your business. 
Instead of what we learned even during revival time, right? Sometimes it takes lingering, just saying, God, work out the mess in me. Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about? When you had to soak that shirt, soak those pants because your kid got into something that God knows it's going to take a serious amount of detergent to get out. You had to what? You had to soak it. But we want magic eraser. That stuff is amazing, by the way. I'm not going to lie. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes we have, to, we have to marinate for that healing, marinate for that breakthrough. Sometimes God is not that he's ignoring your request. Hear me, look at me, everyone right now, look at me for a moment. It's not that he's ignoring your request. It's you just have to be in his presence long enough to work out the things that are presently there. It's letting the water of his spirit wash away all the things that make us move away from him or deteriorate in our walk with him. See, as a pastor, my desire is to do exactly what the word of God is designed to do. My job and my desire is to help you walk whole. Not just holy. That's really the Holy Spirit's job. I can't make you walk holy. I can help you develop holy habits, right? And I can help you get whole in your mentality, but only God works out the heart issues. I can't change your heart. I can help you change your mind, but I can't help you change your heart. I can help you change your habits, but I can't change your heart. Are you hearing me? And so when I talk about healing humanity here this morning, I believe we need to look deeper because we believe that God wants to restore you. Are you with me? If you nod at me or give me something, I preach shorter. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Let's look at two stories for a moment. The paralytic and the Samaritan woman, just for a few moments. Because I believe that these stories illustrate key components of God's intent for mankind. God's intent to restore broken victims. So let's look at the first thing. The therapy of sonship. I'm not going to ask how many of you have been through therapy because that's a loaded question. But I'm going to tell you a time I went through therapy in uh, 1997. I was home for Christmas. I was playing football. I got, got, my, uh, got my jersey on with some friends and we played this other team from this other neighborhood. It was in the, I was in the Bronx in New York. I was home for break. I was in college at the time. And I remember I, that day I went out to play football, and, um, and I was running, and I called for the ball. I was wide receiver at the time, uh, because several things in my life uh, have, were blossoming at that point, and it's not um, height. You did not need to laugh that loud. Um, but I was always blessed with a form of speed, because you can't hit what you can't catch. That was my philosophy. So I was right receiver. I was lined up on the right side looking at my quarterback. And uh, I remember running, reaching out like this because nobody covered. They backed me like I was going to bolt. And I stopped real quick. I, I, I stopped on a dime. And I called for the ball. And I remember looking at my buddy. He turned and he threw it right to me. And I caught it. 
And from right when I caught it, I looked this way naturally, and there was a guy coming at me. He was over, I know he's a big dude. Uh, he was at least uh, over 200 pounds. Uh, at the time, I was a buck and change. I did the math in my head. Don't let him hit you, is what my head said. So when I caught it, I realized his momentum was coming this way, so my thought is if I can just get around him this way, I can bolt, and I know I can get around him. Except my cleat didn't agree with me. That day I borrowed a pair of cleats that were not my own. I planted my foot and my cleat did not respond the way my, my normal cleat would. And I stepped and I, my foot kind of turned. And when he hit me, he low bridged me. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Except louder. I felt... Like, a, like several branches, the sound of several branches inside of my body snapped. At that moment, I dropped to the ground in complete and utter pain. I was rushed to the emergency room, later to find out that I tore my ACL. That summer, I decided to do my internship, but I needed to do therapy. I had reconstructive surgery, and then I had to go through therapy. That therapy was amazing, yet super scary, because I got there and I knew what my leg can and can't do, and I knew that this therapist was going to push me. I knew this therapist was going to make me do things I couldn't do before and make me ask of me things. You ever knew that someone was going to ask of you something that you're like, I don't feel like being asked to do that? Anybody work a job? Okay, I just... (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? So I remember going into that, that first session going, hi. Like nervous, like what are you going to ask me to do? Because I am very, like my knee had just gotten done and you know what I mean? And, and so I'm like, what are you going to ask of me? And I remember uh, she was so gentle. She was like, get on this bike and just go as, like, like a normal, just go normal. But then she would put me on the, and then she would start to, she would start to massage certain areas. She's like, okay, we're going to, and then she's with the electroshock therapy where I was like, what is this? Whoa, what is, what is going on there? You know, some of it I felt, some of it I didn't because I had nerve damage as well. And so I realized that in those months that I was going through that therapy, the one thing she kept saying is, if you do the work now, you'll have the flexibility later. Look at me. If you do the work now, you will have the flexibility later. You will be stronger later. You will be capable later. You'll be able to do what you can't do right now later. Look at me, church. I need you to hear me. That therapy helped me to understand that if I can put in the work now, there are things that I can do later that are not going to restrain me. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And so what I need you to understand here this morning is that when we're gonna, if we're going to heal humanity, we ourselves have to understand that there's a therapy that has to happen of sonship. What am I talking about? Here's what I'm saying, that before healing man, before we help anybody else, we have to understand who we are. And we have to understand that in our lives, there has to be a therapeutic changing of the guard in our mindset. That we are not our own, we are his. That there's nothing that we can do ourselves that will help us. That therapy comes from him. That therapy to understand who we are comes from him. 
and we understand that he has to now work in us because we want to say, I am I am rejected, I am this, I am that. You ever felt so down on yourself that you just keep telling yourself who you're not, but you think that that's who you are, but in Christ you're not that. Here's what I'm saying. I am so dumb when it comes to this. Or you say, I am so not good at. I so am not talented in this area of blank. And maybe, just maybe you aren't. But what if all that negativity is all feeding a lie from the enemy? Because the easier he could tell you the things you're not, the easier you can. The easier you believe the things you're not, the easier he can convince you. So here's what I'm here to convince you about right now. The therapy of sonship means that we ourselves have to understand that we are all those of us that have received Jesus Christ. Let me be very clear. Those of you that have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior have been given the right to be called sons and daughters of God. Well, Pastor Tony, I heard my whole life that all of us are God's children. We are all God's children. Friends, let me break this news to you right here very clearly. Everyone was created by God and everyone is God's creation, but not everyone are sons and daughters. I hate to burst your bubble, but I got to do it. Just because you are a creation doesn't mean you're a son and daughter of God. By that, I mean, if you say that you're a son and daughter of God, that means everyone walking on planet earth is saved. When I talk about sonship, I'm talking about their rightful place. Now, it's not just sons, it's daughters too. But the sonship idea, the concept in scripture is that we are believers that have declared Jesus our Lord and Savior. That's what makes us part of the sonship. That's what makes us followers of Jesus Christ, sons and daughters of God. That we have accepted the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what makes us sons. Just because you were created by God doesn't mean you're saved. Because every single person on this planet earth has been recreated by God. But it doesn't mean that they know Jesus as their Savior. And let me again make it crystal clear that Jesus is the only way to heaven. There are a lot of people that give you a lot about God and a lot of other things. But I'm, t I'm declaring to you right here, right now, that Jesus Christ, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. No other name. Not Allah, not Buddha, not Muhammad. It is Jesus Christ alone. That's what the scripture teaches. That's what I believe. And that's where it is. And so when we say sonship, we have to understand that means that we are a people that understand our identity. We understand who we are in Christ. That therapy that I received on my knee, it was Weeks and weeks and weeks of pain, going home in pain. But when it was all said and done, I'm grateful for every bit of pain that I experienced at that moment because it helps me to do the things today that I could not do at that time. But I had to go through that. That therapy was necessary. Listen, friend, it's opening the scriptures. It's understanding who you are in Christ. Let's look at Matthew 9. Jesus stepped into a boat crossed over, this is verse 1 of chapter 9, came into his own town, 
Mind you, his own town. Jesus had problems even in his own town. You ever have problems in your own town? Okay, no, I won't do that. Verse 2, some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this point, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take up your mat, and go home. I love how brilliantly, uh, for those of you that were the men's breakfast, John, you did such a great job with this text, and you kind of brought uh, the idea of how, you know, uh, it, it was a different text, a slightly different text, but it was the same idea. You know, he looked at a man that was, that was physically uh, in a place of, you know, um, disruption in his body need a physical healing and the first thing he said to them is not you are healed the first thing he said your sins are forgiven and i and, and you kind of kind of bring that to the surface and you think to yourself well well then then the theology must be that when you're sick it must be because of sin well no 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 that's false doctrine friends hear me what jesus was doing was addressing their presuppositions of why what was happening in that place there let me say it like this. Jesus was speaking to the moment because the obstacle that they had was not the healing. The biggest obstacle they had was themselves. The biggest obstacle in the room was not Jesus touching the paralyzed man. The biggest obstacle was not that. The biggest obstacle was, well, you know, I'm the biggest obstacle. Friend, I dare say to you today that there's a possibility that you are your own biggest obstacle that if you would just change your mindset that you are his and that you are not going to walk and live in fear, that you're not going to walk and live in this, uh, this anxiety, that you say, I am his and I'm, and I'm not going to take anything less than that. So he addressed the biggest problem in the room. And the biggest problem was not his physical limitability. The biggest obstacle was what they thought why he was even sick to begin with. The biggest obstacle was in their mindset because that is often the biggest obstacle we have to face. Can I get an amen? The biggest enemy is in me. The biggest enemy and obstacle is in me, in me, right here. And so he dressed it right there and then. And he said, your sins are forgiven. Wait, what? And then they go, blaspheme. And then he goes, what's easier? They knew the answer. And then he goes, oh, by the way, get up and walk. Jesus did both. Jesus did both. Why? Because both matter to him. Why? Because you matter to him. Jesus did both. Jesus wanted to heal humanity. All the humans want to do oftentimes is just get away with as much as we can get away with. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? How much sin can I do without it being sin? Sin-ish. 
I'm going to preach to you truth. That's what I'm here to do. I'm telling you, how much sinish things can I get away with without breaking any commandments? Can I preach this? Is that all right? Good, because I was fully intended on doing so. Right? What can I... What can I get away with? And you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. Follow me now. What can I do to get away with what we're doing here? This is not everybody. But why do you entertain evil thoughts, Jesus said, in your hearts? Which is easier to say. Jesus was addressing thoughts. Friends, look at me. He's addressing thoughts today in your life too. He's addressing thoughts in your life. And he told the man, get up and walk. The man was more concerned. The men that were in that room, look at me. The religious individuals, they were more concerned with what was happening in the physical than what God was doing in the spiritual. Are you hearing me? And so we realize very clearly that Jesus is concerned about both those things, yes? Because he not only spiritually healed him, he then turned around and physically healed him. Why do you limit yourself to like God only wants to touch my body and heal me physically without touching you spiritually? And others that God only wants to deal with my soul and he really doesn't care about my body or how I care for it. Are you hearing me? You realize that this, it's not either or, it's both and? It's getting real quiet. I must be preaching okay then. Because God cares about both those things, amen? He cares about both those things, your spirit, your soul, and your body. And so, Let's look at the second thing. Because he elevated the status of the Samaritan woman by speaking to her. All of a sudden, Jesus was addressing the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. And he built a relationship. Now, we're talking, we were talking for a moment here about Matthew chapter 9. And we're looking at John chapter 4 for a moment. We realized that he had a conversation with a woman at a well that nobody would want to have a conversation with. The power of relationship. When Jesus revealed that he knew her sketchy past... All of a sudden, she sought to divert and probing and introducing a doctrine to the whole community. Did you realize that after she encountered Jesus, she ran back to the town and told everyone who she encountered? Why? Because when you have a relationship with God and he stirs in you, you got to tell somebody. Something stirs in you. I have a problem with someone that says, I've I, I known Jesus for, you know, a while now. And I say, how long? Well, 10 years. Well, okay. What are you doing about your faith? How are you activating that now? You should be doing something by now. Well, I'm really shy about sharing my faith. I get, I get it that you're shy. I get it. But it should come, certain things should come naturally. If he did it for you, you could at least share that. You don't have to go to Bible school, is that right? John, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's a lot of things we could know in the scriptures, right? Alicia, you and I studied under the same professors, even at the school. You know, you could know a lot of head knowledge. But you don't have to know a lot of scripture to know what God did in your life. 
what you encountered in your own experience and that relationship will go a long way. There's a power in that relationship with God. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have a doctrine of theology. Hear me. There's something that has to happen. There's something that has to go and trigger you to realize that this relationship with God matters and it should matter to you in such a way that you're sharing with others. I know I wouldn't get a lot of amens on that one because it stretches you, but my job is to stretch you. My job is to help you see elements in your life. And listen, doctrine is important. How many say amen to that? What we believe is important, but hear me. It gives us insight in this passage because we understand in God's character that at that moment that people had an idea that, that this woman shouldn't be talked to, right? They had, a, they had traditions that they, oh, we don't associate with them. You know, Jesus was more concerned about the soul of man than he was the ideas of man, the commands of man. In ministering compassion to the woman, Jesus said, in effect, woman, the sinful life you've lived without me is not so important as the fulfilled life you have in me. Did you hear that? Jesus said to her, woman, the sinful life you have lived without me is not so important than the life I've given you. And he says, if you only knew who it is that asks you for a drink, John chapter 4, you would have asked of him and he would give you living water. He broke the oral traditions of man with the understanding that even while her lifestyle was revealed, he still cared about her. Did you know he knows about your sketchy past already? He knows about your sketchy past. And guess what? He's not intimidated. God knows about your sketchy past and he's not intimidated by it. So let's look at the third thought for a moment. The inadequacy of sin. Her lifestyle showed this very real element in John chapter 4. She had, she had five previous uh, husbands and the man that she has now is not even her husband. She went from, I bought, I bought, I bought, I bought, I bought, now I'm window shopping. I'm not even sure I'm ready to commit. And here Jesus introduces himself as the seventh man. And he says, I am the perfect one. If you only knew who it is that asks you for a drink, I would give you living water. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The Samaritan woman, like many, many of us today, sought to fulfill her needs in love and belonging and self-esteem through man and through relationships. In essence, through sin. Didn't we hear that this morning just a few moments ago? Didn't we hear that there are times that sin entices you and, in, and says, and try to romance you and let me in, let me in. And look at me. The moment it lets in, the moment you let him in, he will lock the door and torment you. He will torment you, he will torment you. And that sin that is in your life will eat away at every purpose God has for you. No lie. Those of you know, that have had struggles in the past, you know what I'm talking about. See, the world is daily offering a counterfeit alternative. Write that down. Realize that the world is constantly offering 
a counterfeit alternative. The enemy is really good at offering an alternative that doesn't satisfy. So let me, let me recap for you. If we're going to restore humanity, if we're going to bring a healing to humanity the way God wants to, because it's ultimately his will, yes? It is God's will that man would be healed. Spirit, soul, and body. It is God's will. In order for us to get there, we have to have first ourselves have a therapy of sonship. We have to then walk through this idea that we ourselves are saved by him and him alone. Not by our actions, not by our deeds. Know what I'm talking about? It's the therapy of knowing who he is. The second thought is the power of that relationship, of realizing that in my life, I need that constant relationship with the Lord Jesus, that constant reminder of the Holy Spirit, that our expectations do not equate God's will or his commands, right? That Jesus wants to restore us, but we often don't want to restore ourselves because it works. It's work. It's work. It's a lot of work. But I think it's more work than you think it is. I think it's more work than you think it is because some things are only done by the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this to you for a moment. The one, the one thing that we have to understand is that sin seeks to satisfy legitimate needs, needs that God put in us in illegitimate ways. Hear me. Hear what I'm saying to you. That sin seeks to satisfy legitimate needs that God himself put in us, but he wants to do it through illegitimate ways. Yes? Ways that are contrary to God's will and word. Friends, if it contradicts this, it contradicts him. Sin in short term can meet your physical need in some cases, a mental need. In some cases, it'll make you even happy. But it falls short because it is counterfeit. Counterfeit means it is not authentic. It doesn't stand the test. So the definition of sin in the Old Testament is the word chata. And the New Testament is hamartia, or hamartia, depending how you say that Greek word. And in essence means missed the mark. It misses the mark. Look at me. Sin misses the mark. It never can hit it. It never satisfies. You ever had, you ever were like hungry and you had a meal and you said, wow, that hit the spot. And you sit back and you go, that, that was great. Or let's just regular, super practical. You ready? You ever had an itch in your arm and you're like, okay, now better, right? You satisfied that. But guess what? One day you'll have an itch again. But for that moment, it satisfies. Sin is like that. Sin will satisfy for the moment. But guess what? You have to eat again. Guess what? You will itch again. Guess what? Whatever it is that you're looking for, sin missed the mark. It just temporarily gets you feeling like you did something right. And that's how it hangs around. Are you following me? That's how sin hangs around. We approve of it. 
because it made us feel good for a time. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you very clearly that no sin, no sin is a long-term fix for the sinful heart of man. Our lives are in constant need of a Savior. I'm going to make this very clear. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord here today. Because buyer beware, there's a daily offering of counterfeit in your life. Luke tells us, do not fear, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Media team can help me out with this. The respect that Christ showed to the Samaritan woman combined with his acceptance of her made it an amazing moment where everyone said, wait, we don't associate with them. Wait, is that what Jewish men do? Because if he drank from a vessel of a a Samaritan woman, that's a problem. But he wasn't there to sip off of her water. He was there to make a point. And if you sip from mine, you'll never be thirsty again. You see, the water that Christ offers doesn't miss the mark. Friend, God looks for those who are willing to point out and call out the inadequacy of sin. You know what he's asking you to do? Take a good look at inside your life and in your circle. Take a good look at your house, your daily life. Not necessarily a physical house, but your daily life. What does not look like Jesus? What does not bring him honor and glory? What does not satisfy your spiritual being? Because when she encountered Jesus, she ran from that well like this. Come, see a man who revealed my past, and he must be the Messiah. Something stirred within her enough. Something stirred within her enough to say, I need to make a change. And she told others about it. Friend, to heal humanity, God sent his son so that you would have sonship. So the therapy of sonship, the power of relationship, the inadequacy of sin, those three things are what it's going to take to restore man. You look around in our world today, we're seeing people that need therapy of sonship. They don't know who they are. How many know somebody that just all they do is they become a chameleon to every relationship they come in contact with? You ever met somebody like that? They date somebody that likes this kind of music, all of a sudden they like that kind of music. They dress like, they date somebody else that dresses like this, they dress like that. They, do, they don't have their own identity. They just chameleon themselves into that situation. You know what they need? A therapy of sonship. They need to understand who they are. I remember when my wife and I both, uh, we realized we liked each other in college and we started talking. I realized that in the more and more we talked, the more and more I realized this woman's in line with what I want to do with the rest of my life. There are people that we had just come off of relationships that were bad for us both, hurtful. 
So I'm not interested in getting into a relationship with someone that doesn't want to do what I want to do with the rest of my life. So we had long conversations, long conversations, until we figured out that our identity was found in Christ, and that's where we're going to find our calling. And if we're going to get married, we got to find that together. And they have to fall in line. Hello? If your calling is this way and you're, the person you want to marry is calling is this way, guess what, friend? I'm going to tell you right now, save, be careful with putting a ring on any finger. If they're going this way, you're going that way. The least of your concern is that they don't want to go to church right now. That's the least of your concern. Though it's a heavy concern, the least of your concern is that. Because guess what? The long-term fix, that's just a small part of it. There's a lot more that has to be dealt with. But it starts there. It's not about church. It's about the way and where you're walking. The power of relationship. You need a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Straight up. If you don't have it today, I want to give you a chance to have that. And the third thing is simply this. Sin misses the mark. And if you don't confess that in your life, you will forever fall prey to the counterfeit alternative. Sonship and healing begins at Calvary. Sonship and healing begins at Calvary.